Well, hello, hello, my little muggle. Welcome to the Kill Your Gods. <laughs> Guys, welcome to the Kill Your Gods podcast. My name is Jesse Dram. I am your host. As always, uh, this you might have wandered into this not knowing what the hell this podcast is. So let me give you a brief history. We started out as the I Hate Infinite Jest podcast, a book, a podcast dedicated towards hating, of course, of mice and men. Now, Infinite Jest, that uh, most annoying of hipster novels. I came to appreciate it over the 32 episodes and 1100 pages. I came to appreciate it. I came to love chunks of it. Still a stupid, stupid fucking book. Oh my god. From there, we tried to parlay. I figured the show would just become, uh, you know, discussing and dissecting fandoms in general. Just, you know, taking down very popular things. Pop punk music. Napoleon Dynamite. We threw in a book here and there. We did quite a few episodes on the Bible. We did Haruki Murakami's Kafka on the Shore. But now I think we're back to stay with our roots. And our roots are books. But we still want to talk about, you know, those fandoms out there. So what bigger fandom to tackle than Harry Potter? Especially consider I, me, your host, comedian Jesse Dram, I have never read any of the books. Not a one, not a lick. Saw one or two movies. They were fine. I don't know. I don't know what you guys are getting out of this. So I figured we'd check it out. So uh, this is Kill Your Gods. The subtitle is going to be Comedians Read Harry Potter. And I'll probably change names at some point in there, too. We got a lot of books to get through. Joining me this week is Megan Getz. Megan Getz is hilarious. She has all her plugs on there. I think her Twitter handle is Meg Getz Money. That's G-O-E-T-Z. She's a lot funnier than me, and I'm not happy to say that. <laughs> That Meg is great. Keep an eye out for her. She does comedy all the time, all over the place. She is a lifelong fan of Harry Potter. Uh, so she sat down with me, and we went through a summary of the first five chapters. And you're going to hear a lot of fun. We use a lot of it just as a jumping off point. I wouldn't say I hate Harry Potter. I don't know enough about it. Mainly, we use it to we use the material as we learn about it and enjoy it, to jump off and discuss other things, a lot of them being funny things. I don't know. We have some fun in there. Are there some dick jokes? Of course there's some dick jokes. It's a comedy podcast. So check her out and all her things. Uh, the only gig I have coming up right now is August 8th at the Sterling Pig in Media, Pennsylvania, where I will be in a roast battle against Jared Little, Gerard Little. I don't know, I think he spells it Gerard, but he pronounces it Jared. I need to write some, hey, you with the stupid name. Loser. I'm so going to win this rose battle. All right, so guys, Kill Your Gods podcast, chapters one to five of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Because we're Americans, so the Sorcerer's Stones, not the philosopher. Stone. Okay. Tell you, the only the only philosophy I have regarding stones is to not to throw them in glass houses. This is off to a terrible start. Kill your gods. Bye. And here we are, the Kill Your Gods podcast, or whatever I might have renamed it this week. We start (laughs) 
the first step on a magical journey through uh, the world of Harry Potter, starting with number one, the Sorcerer's Stone. And it is the Sorcerer's Stone because we are American. Yes. And uh, yeah. So, but if you are British listening to this, Philosopher's Stone, I'm sure it would be a little weird if at this point nobody was aware of this. <laughs> yeah. If somebody was yeah. listening, like, I've got the wrong episode on. Like, yeah, yeah. I didn't read that book to go back. Uh, my guest this week is a comedian. I, I have all comedians on, so I don't know why that's shocking. This one's particularly good, though. She also Woo! has her own. <laughs> she has a few podcasts. The one I'm aware of is Real Chills, but she can tell you about the rest. Megan Getz, how you doing? Hello, good. I'm excited to talk to you about Harry Potter today. Definitely. You're, you're the yeah. first one on this. When I put out feelers yes. months ago, I think you were the first one to get, get back to me. And that's awesome. uh, I thought you would be fun to talk Harry Potter with. Heck yeah. Nice. So before <laughs> we get started, uh, anything you have to plug, where can we find you on social media? Oh, cool. Yeah, we do this in the beginning. That's awesome. That when way I remember. lose people. <laughs> if we have like diehard Harry Potter fans that turn this off. Yeah, you can find me on uh, Twitter or Instagram at MegGetsMoney. Gets spelt G-O-E-T-Z. And I do want to plug in September. We actually have a date now, September 13th. I'm releasing a new podcast. Jesse, your mom was actually on it. Mm-hmm. It's called Their Stories. And it's great. The The episodes are coming out really awesome. And uh, it's we interviewed murdered persons, friends and families and tell their, their stories. And it's been a really good time. I, I love that idea so much. I'm very glad that my mother got to be on there even though she was super interested and then as soon as it was confirmed she was like I don't know what to say (laughs) I was Uh I I was really worried my mom was gonna pivot and despite the story I heard my entire life with my mother's best friend was murdered when she was 17 and I was really worried my mom was just gonna pivot be like Jess I barely knew her be like whoa (laughs) this whole time yeah she had one class (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> no she did really great and uh mike knoblock was on it as well they both had these just really endearing stories and i feel like i really got to know her and i i'm so excited we're still doing we've been editing it for a while now i feel like your mom's like anxious to hear it but mm-hmm. we're still doing some touch-ups to it i did like one final edit right before this and it sounds great dude it's gonna be awesome did you ever i know she mentioned did she put you in touch with her friend jen with like the really bad story? <laughs> I know that she reached out to a few people. Um, some people still weren't ready to talk about it, which is mm-hmm. kind of interesting after, you know, 30 years, it, it really kind of gives you a new perspective to know that this is like, it's not something that just gets lighter as years go on, you know, so. Right, and there is a little, I, I know I'm a judgmental person, so maybe this is just me, but there is a little bit in the whole like, murder as like titillating genre true crime entertainment thing there is a little icky separation from uh you know i'll I'll actually give an allegory to that i remember i was at a 24-hour horror movie marathon and they play you know all sorts of silly splatter movies but uh they don't know they don't announce any of the movies in advance that are coming up and suddenly the next movie comes up and it's a movie called Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer, which is like dark, dark, dramatic okay. horror movie, somewhat based on real life events. And a bunch of people got up and started walking out. And it's like, re- you guys are only here for the, the fun stabbings. 
God Oof. forbid you have to look into the abyss and be like, oh yeah, I'm kind <laughs> of entertained by mayhem. And face bit. yourself. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that is a part of it. I do think a lot of people were hesitant to be on the podcast because even when people say that they're not going to be shitty or, or they're not going to talk about the events, mm-hmm. they tend to do that anyway. So I had a couple of people that are just kind of you know, unsure. So well, I, which I totally get, I didn't pressure anybody that didn't want to do it. So, if yeah. anything, it just goes to show that, that it's so entwined into the story that us as humans, that's like what we want to hear. And the fact that true crime has been a thing long enough that there have been people who have been murdered, whose final thoughts were, am I going to be on a podcast for this? Wow. And that's weird. That's a bummer. I never thought about that. I, I always assume like their last thoughts are like, oh no, like I'm di- not to be, I, I'm not trying to say this lightly nah. or like I'm dying, not like thinking about a podcast, but that's. No, nope. I'm thinking my favorite murder, here I come. <laughs> well, the other thing that I've learned through this is that sometimes these podcasts and this, this, the one that I'm doing is not like to like shake my fist at all the ones out there. Like I think they do serve some sort of sick purpose and Right. But this I think is, they... this is this is me putting that judgment out there. But, and, <laughs> yeah. And, and just like every other judgment I put out there, I don't even believe it myself. So I do think they're they do they should take more responsibility for the story. Like I, I've heard of, you know, them leaking details that the family of the murdered person have never heard before. Maybe we're trying to avoid things like that are, you know, don't do that. Like try to try to keep it so or maybe I don't know. I just wish the families, the whole reason I made it was because I wish the families and friends would have any type of control of the narrative. So Mm. yeah, it's been really cool. Right. Well, yeah. Super excited to check that out. Their stories. Um, So uh, let's pivot. Tell me about your (laughs) love of this little boy wizard. I love Harry Potter. I love it so much. And I, you know, I listen to your other podcast, like your other episodes. And are you going to shit on Harry Potter right now? Because I will fight you. Here's the funny thing. Going into this, my my branding, I want to call the series I Hate Am- uh, Harry Potter. I'm actually very ambivalent. I've, <laughs> I've, I've, I've liked a little bit mm-hmm. I've seen, mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. Uh, but I, ne- I never really dug into it. The, the snobby truth is by the time Harry Potter was coming out, I was already reading Kurt Vonnegut. Oh. So, um, <laughs> yes. Nobody wow, needs smarter than me. Yeah. Nobody <laughs> needs to like me. But now it's uh, I I would have loved it had I read it at the time, but I am going into Harry Potter basically blind. I wow. know I know some basic things, the spoilers and all that, but I have never wow. read any of them and I've only watched like two of the movies and I couldn't even tell you which ones they were oh you are in for a treat i made dan watch all of them over quarantine because he'd never seen them so now he knows what they are and it's really fun like trying to see what he thinks about people that i know turn good or evil or you know have twists to them yeah okay so but yeah so what what is your personal story like how old are you how do you find it what role did it fill in your life it's actually a really cute story and i was excited i was telling dan i'm excited to tell you it because you're going to have a hard time being mean after. So my dad, I was probably like nine. (laughs) Okay. I was probably like nine ish when my dad started reading them. I don't know the timeline enough to know what year it was for like the books, but um, my dad would read them to us, both me and my sister. I'm a twin. And he would get so emotional because he was an orphan that had a really rough life and was adopted when he was 10. So he immediately 
like connected with Harry Potter and like was just filled with like the wonder and magic and was like instantly like this you know I didn't become a wizard but I found a family that loved me and like that was such a so he would always like get he would he was all in which made us all in okay that, that is such a kicker when like something ultra cutting and personal gets to you when you're not expecting it yeah, and he's yeah. Sorry, continue. No, no. I remember watching the the Lost series finale, and uh, this was a little bit after my dad had died. So it was just like, ah, you know what? This season sucked. I'm glad it's over. And then all of a sudden, the main character's dead father arrives to escort him into the afterlife. I'm just like, oh my god. Oh. <laughs> that gave me too good a, an opinion about that stupid fucking finale for years. <laughs> And no one, yeah, was with you on it. That's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he, yeah, he's just a, you know, a big fan and it's hard to to argue with that, I think. <laughs> yeah. So you pretty much loved it from jump, followed the whole thing, like movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You were, you were books first. Books first. I read them all, like, as they came out, pre-ordered those babies, read nice. them in a day, like a nerd, cried my eyes out when things happened. That last book, man, it's going to hit you hard. And, um... I, we went to all the premieres the night of, like the midnight showing. Mm. My dad wanted us to dress up, but he could never convince us to do that. <laughs> uh, the, the dad as the one trying to be like, I just yeah. think it would be pretty fun if we put on capes. He's like, come on, it'd be fun. It'll be adorable. And like my sister's falling asleep in the movie theater. But I, <laughs> I took to it. I wanted to be a magi- I wanted to do magic and have a pet that delivers mail and things like that. I thought it was cool. <laughs> Well, let's get into uh, some of the book. Actually, because this is the first one, I have some of the making of. Um, just like anything else with this podcast, interrupt anytime you have a comment on anything. So, okay. J.K. Rowling wrote the book between 1990 and 1995. She said that while riding the train one day, she had the idea of a little boy wizard, and she wrote the first few chapters. Later, when her mother died, Rowling made the boy an orphan to transfer some of the grief to him. Also, little known fact, Rowling's mother was pushed off a cliff by a transgender, and that's why I'm making that up. <laughs> I was uh, wondering if you were going to, because I know some podcasts don't name her because of her transgression, so I thought, like, if you're going to call her she who will not be named, I thought that'd be hilarious. Like, <laughs> yeah, is it, but... is it too late to, nah, I, I, I'll forget before the end of the next sentence, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I want to talk about it a bit. I, I would definitely like to have some trans people on and get their opinion yeah absolutely but uh okay she had some pushback from publishers saying that at ninety thousand words it was too long to be a children's book was eventually accepted by publisher bloomsbury after one of the brass's eight-year-old daughters read the man manuscript and raved about it yeah yeah funny how that happens sometime uh johnny depp's first film role in nightmare uh nightmare on elm street um the director wes craven was casting people and his daughter actually said, like, you need to cast that Johnny guy. And his daughter was like 13 years old. He's like, he, wow. looks, like, he looks like kind of a wimp to me. He's like, daddy, <laughs> he's, the exact words are daddy. He's gorgeous. Yeah. Young girls, we hold all the power. That's well, I'm not young anymore, but I might have. <laughs> You're still powerful, Meg. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, JK is known in her private life as Joe Rowling, J-O. The publishers made her choose a more androgynous name as they believed the book was very boyish and boys wouldn't want to read a story written by a woman. So they forced her to name trans, basically, and become J.K. Rowling. That's actually, that's happened a lot. 
I, I believe. Not, uh, anyway, uh, Meg, what's a sacrifice you've made for your art? I think it's, I love all of the questions we're going to be talking about, but this one's funny. I mean, other than having to be friends with comedians, because that's a big sacrifice that I make every day. Yeah, that's a bad one. We're telling people. <laughs> I do think comedy in general takes up a lot of time and I have missed events. It's gotten to a point with comedy and my family and friends where they don't invite me to things anymore because they mm. just assume I'm booked and stuff. So I think that's a big sacrifice of being like, hey, you can still invite me. Like, I'll put it on the calendar and things like that. I'll, like, make it, no. I'll make it when I can, you know? Yeah, yeah. But they don't want they don't want to get in my way either. So they're kind of like, like, they're too understanding, you know? So it's mm. been kind of a sacrifice not seeing my friends and family mm. as much with comedy. But You know, it's a funny comedy one. I've heard this on a lot of podcasts of like uh, Bill Burr, people who were like coming up in the 90s. They've all said that like, oh, I, I didn't watch like, Twin Peak, X-Files, Seinfeld. I didn't watch any of that till years later. I was always doing like, yeah, I was always grinding. So you just miss yeah. out on everything. I don't know if you have this, but I have a hard time having free time. Like I, I feel guilty if I'm not, I mean, not necessarily going to mics. I, I got that out of my system, but I feel like I have to be working on something like writing or, you know, listening to, re listening to my recordings or stuff mm. like that. I'm I, I'm a little more like spread out. I have uh, you know what it is? I I allow myself time, but it's all very like regimented. Like mm -hmm. when when I'm done recording this, I will go play video games for 20 minutes. That's all I will allow myself. Uh, I'll probably I'll probably get some editing done on this, get some clips out, and yeah, you know what? I I've actually been taking a I've been trying to do a less is more thing as far as comedy. Yeah. I I ate shit three weeks ago on a bit that oh, I really, no. really like lost the crowd <laughs> everything oh no and for the first time ever I fully fixed a bit like I rewrote nice. it a little bit and it's been my closer ever since so congrats I can't wait to hear it that's awesome thank you yes it's the I'll give you the heads up if you hear me talk about Nazis that's the uh, <laughs> all right I'll make sure to pay like more attention yeah. for that I n normally tune those out but yeah well, well by yeah. the way I fucked up a, the initial premise of that joke was somebody called me a Nazi recently and uh people didn't care for that because uh <laughs> I look like this and I yeah. forget that so you do have to overcome that for sure yeah. so yeah <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right. So when the book was first published in the UK, kids lost their shit for it, which was mentioned in almost every early review I could find was all like, my kid could not put this down. When the book was published in America, they changed the title from Philosopher's Stone to Sorcerer's Stone because Americans are, of course, terrified of philosophy. And uh, oh, I thought we were just dumb. Like they're like, they won't want. Yeah, it, it, it was definitely that people are just yeah. dumb. That's hilarious. Like, I mean, come to think of it, what the. I can think of a sorcerer having use of a stone. What does, yeah. I, I'm not far enough in a book. I don't know what this philosopher was doing with this stone. You'll, you'll figure it out. I can't, okay. <laughs> I know too much. <laughs> uh, they, they also made it more American, removing mums and mams and crumpets for uh, mommy and muffins. JK stood her ground on future entries and refused these changes. Um, here's a, a very important question I have. When your father read this book to you as a child, mm -hmm. did he do accents? He did his best. He's a gruff New York Italian man, you know, mm. so he and he was emotional, 
which is not normal for him. We were like scared. We we're like, what's happening? Are you okay? Oh, God. <laughs> but um, yeah, he, he definitely tried it. And I do think there were, you know, it's weird that you say the mums and stuff came out because I feel like I remember those. So maybe we had a British hmm. copy or something. They, they, they might have reintroduced it in like later repressings. Okay. Because it seems like it seems like it's they've kept Sorcerer's Stone in the U.S., but they might have changed that stuff back just because people know it by that title by that right. point. Yeah. But yeah, I realized even reading this a little bit that until we got to Hagrid, I realized like, oh, I'm reading all this in an in American accent. It's Hagrid. <laughs> Hagrid, whatever. Hagrid. You're reading it in American accent. That is interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't think to, but just to think if you were like a little kid and you didn't really think about that and then suddenly the movie comes out and it's like oh wait there's there's an owl over there that was australian i don't know why i did that but uh yeah and i think some blowing. people will disagree maybe people with better imaginations than me but i think what makes the book so sensational with the movie is how close the movie got to the book at least mm -hmm. the first one i don't know about the later ones but that first one what you saw in your head was up on that screen and that felt like magic itself mm. you were like wow that is exactly what i pictured this is so exciting haggard is exactly what i thought haggard was gonna look and sound like this is it makes it feel like it's real like it's like okay what if like jk rowling's just a witch and all the other witches and wizards are pissed because she just told everyone about the wizard just world outed all of it yeah yeah See, I think that's a good thing about kids' movies is that I feel like a lot of other adaptations really mess up and, like, try to jazz it up. Like, video game movies in particular. Like, they made a, a, a movie of one of my favorite games ever, Silent Hill, and for mm. no reason changed the protagonist from a man to a woman. Mm. Just, like, little shit like that. But I feel like kids' movies is definitely, like, we need to just put what is on the page onto the screen. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we can get into the book proper now. Uh, we'll be doing chapters one through five, four or five. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, I think it was uh, the boy who lived, honestly, already sounds like pro-life propaganda. <laughs> yeah. Voldemort is Voldemort's an exaggerated abortionist. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so we meet the the Dursleys. Uh, Mrs. Dursley is Petunia, the sister of mm -hmm. a certain Lily Potter. She is described as blonde and thin. We also meet her husband Vernon and their son Dudley. Now, I need to let you guys know right now, because it'll never come up again, but these two are kind of chunky. It's not going to come up again they every are, three yeah. sentences. So let's just let it. What is it about the English that they fetishize skinny people so much? Uh, you know, I, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> I, I don't think it's the British or English in general. I think it's the world. I think... Hmm. You'll look in most literature and you'll find that evil people are overweight. <laughs> like, look at Ursula. You know what I mean? It's just kind of an unfortunate thing. Uh, look at Cruella de Vil. Uh, yeah, we could go back and forth, but I do think yeah. that. Um, when I think of like real life people and I think of like Bowie or Jagger or Twiggy or even Robert Pattinson, they're all like these very slight scarecrow people and they're mm -hmm. all English. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I have no idea. The British are on a whole nother level. I feel like yeah. they're hard to keep up with. They like soccer. <laughs> like, what are we uh, going to do with that? Yeah, true. They, they're, they're, <laughs> they're beyond help. Yeah. Mm -mm. Um, so this might be something lost in translation. I'm curious how it is culturally. Uh, the Dursleys are ashamed of Petunia's sister, Lily. Where it's 
it's it's a lot. Like they make it clear she's the family weirdo, and family weirdos are typically just tolerated. But these two repeat like they're just disgusted that like well, oh she runs off with those weirdos. I think it's um. I don't know if this is just British or like also American culture, but I think the Dursleys are like the perfect example of keeping up with the Joneses. Like Mm -hmm. they're like, they want to be the perfect family. They want everything to be perfectly normal and perfectly simple. And they want to be the best. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. when they see Lily and how different she is, how, and you know, despite how incredible that difference is, it's still a difference. It's still something that they find shameful because it's a secret. You can't really tell people about it, you know. And we actually, and I, no, no, go ahead. sorry. No, what were you going to say? Uh, we actually read a little bit further on when Hagrid? Hagrid. Hagrid. When Hagrid shows up and Petunia is just straight up like her, her parents loved Lily and they were so happy to have a witch in the family. So there is almost... I, I feel like when the one kid just does the conventional thing and isn't rewarded for it, they get very spiteful. Oh yeah. Yeah. They are. It's like the, I didn't want that anyway. You know, like I'm better because I, yeah. But mm-hmm. I do think that like, it is one thing that I had a hard time getting behind of like her sister is killed pretty violently and she's still like holding on to that. Like that's like a whole nother level like i don't yeah. know you can fight with a sibling but if they're like i don't know killed it, violently they, I feel like. they they talk about james and lily as if they were like heroin addicts who died yeah. in a fucking alley somewhere <laughs> really and now, do. now we gotta raise a baby boy like yeah yeah and he's gonna be just as bad it's pretty awful yeah mm-hmm. Uh, so Vernon leaves the house to go to work but he notices something odd he sees out of the corner of his eye a cat reading a map he also notices a bunch of owls, people in capes. As he goes to his day, he also hears people whispering something about the Potters and their son, Harry. But he just kind of like, that couldn't possibly be them. Uh, he bumps into an old man who is so happy, he just lets everything slip. You know who is gone. Even muggles like yourself should be celebrating this happy, happy day. My accent will get better as we go through the series. I... <laughs> yeah, work on it. <laughs> but, you know, me, me and Perry did an entire podcast of uh, the entire series of Game of Thrones. And mm-hmm. for whatever reason, my, the first two season episodes, I could not do an English accent to save my life. So I just did like a New England one over and over. <laughs> New England. Nice. Right. But did it I, work? Eventually. Eventually. Okay. Well, also the fact that it was Casterly Rock and like Castle Rock is a place in Maine. So it just. It so, works. It worked. It worked. Mm-hmm. Uh, a man named Albus Dumbledore appears on the street and has a conversation with the cat that he identifies as Professor McGonagall in disguise. He takes out a lighter, which pops out every street light when he flicks it. Which, By the way, I did not take as detailed notes on this as I would have liked. So if there's any it's detail okay. I missed that you loved please let me know. Well, I have a hard time because I, I know everything, but I, I'm going to say like quick spoilers, but it won't be like huge, like mm-hmm. rereading what makes JK Rowling does something that I don't see very often. And maybe it's just, I'm not reading enough books, but like she makes callbacks to items and things that you just mm. forget about people. You just like McGonagall being the cat 
and then mm-hmm. McGonagall coming back at the school, which is cool. But then like that, even that little lighter that turns on and off, Dumbledore ends up gifting that to, I think, Ron in like book like six. And you oh. forget about it. You don't see it again. It doesn't become a thing. And then she just brings it back and you're like, oh, holy, like literally it feels like every little detail right now just seems kind of like she's painting a story or whatever, but she uses it. Mm-hmm entire series it's wild that's awesome i love payoff like that yeah yeah so you know what having done a lot of books on this podcast every book i do i kind of need to figure out what the layout's going to be like infinite Mm -hmm. jest was so dense that i literally needed to read and type as i went whereas this one this one i just read it entirely and then i did a sweep and got some notes and i eh, might not have been the right way to do it but got some good stuff here okay that's okay i mean these chapters were really just scene setting for the rest of the book there wasn't it's not like the fun like it's not the it's it's all super important information that you will see come back later Mm -hmm. but it wasn't like the fun weird magic like the kids getting into trouble and stuff like that you know right we're we're having very much the are are you familiar with the concept of the hero's journey yeah Mm mm-hmm yeah, so we're very much at that, which those of you who are unaware, this is something that gets factored into almost every Hollywood screenplay that is even similar to something like this, where somebody, like, they are nobody, but it turns out they have this great thing about them, a, a call mm-hmm. to adventure, but mm-hmm. they need to be a little, ooh, I don't know first, and then jump in, and, every, and everybody's happy. From The Matrix to Star Wars, they all use the same kind of template. But that's what I kind of like that I also think is a really fun and interesting part is that had Harry started in a wizarding family, introing mm-hmm. us as readers into the wizarding wizarding world would have been so much more challenging. So, right. so creating this, you know, shitty family that basically kept him from everything made him like a fresh, like blank page that as you're taking in this information with Harry. So it's like very fun. Right, he's a perfect point of view. You're finding out about this world as he finds out. He's reacting the way you're reacting. He's stoked and you're Mm. stoked for him and you're now checking your mailbox every day for a letter like, this could be real. (laughs) I want to believe. Oh, is that that a thing? Were you like having real fantasies? Oh yeah, and like for Christmas we get all the like Harry Potter toys. Like this is in later chapters, but they like sell the like the jelly beans of all different flavors and the chocolate Mm. frogs and they have like little potion kits where you can make stuff fizz and whatever so I was completely in I I actually heard the story of a family who sent a fake letter to their kid and I was like wow that's evil that's terrible oh god see I I I had a, a pretty good version of that my one of the only cool things my stepdad ever did I feel like there's did, I feel like most people, maybe you, did you go through a period where you were suddenly really, really into digging holes? <laughs> you know, maybe. I was an outdoorsy kid for sure. So I, I'm sure okay. there was a hole phase in my life. I just I, don't remember it. I do feel like every kid has a hole phase. As a matter of fact, they made a book called Holes that might have had something to do with that with other people. <laughs> sure. What up, Shia LaBeouf? Um, <laughs> but uh, we got into this hole digging phase, specifically like l- searching for treasure And then one day there was just like some fucking treasure in the hole and looking back like, oh, my stepdad got like some costume jewelry and he put like a dollar or two in there. He could have put a fiver in his treasure, but but still it was pretty cool. That's so cool. I do remember my mom saying she buried a time machine in my grandma's yard and I spent like all summer trying to find it and I could not. 
but a time capsule or a time time, time capsule not machine <laughs> yeah no not a machine a capsule yes your <laughs> your your mother hg wells gets yeah <laughs> okay um we learned that Voldemort on this day Voldemort killed Lily and uh, James Potter and attempted to kill Harry who was but a little baby boy but something happened and Harry lived and Voldemort vanished Harry has a scar on his forehead now like a lightning bolt Dumbledore is going to leave him with his muggle family on the doorstep with a note so Hagrid the giant shows up on a flying motorcycle with Harry in a basket and they leave him on the steps where he will be found in the morning. And that's chapter one. But I did have a note here. Mm-hmm. I always wanted a cool facial scar as a kid. I remember uh, like some some friend of my parents, they had a kid named Kenny. And he had like this gnarly fucking like thing across his eye that apparently he got from like somebody hit him with a baseball bat. Wow. Really tragic in retrospect. We were like eight. But I always thought that was cool looking. So <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> so did, did you ever want any weird kind of like disfigurement or just something strange like that thinking it was cool? You know, I never think I don't think I wanted a disfigurement. I used to draw on my hands a lot like tattoos and that mm. would freak my grandma. My grandma was like, you're going to die of ink poisoning. And I was like, cool. You know, I was really like, <laughs> I thought I was edgy. But um, I also think that I might have faked my first eye test to get glasses and now I just need them because I thought glasses were really cool like all like the nerdy my nerdy heroes like Harry Potter Mm -hmm. they all had glasses so I felt very like I want glasses but now I'm not sure because uh nearsightedness runs in my family so I'm like was I just hurrying this process along or did I ruin my vision forever (laughs) I, I, I forget who I heard did this but somebody had a story about uh, having a crush on a girl when they were like really young, like elementary school and having the idea to pretend to go blind for, <laughs> for sympathy. And wow. he like, and he kept up the bullshit all the way to the hospital, to the hospital and his mother beat the shit out of him afterward. That's so funny. I have a way worse story in college. I was at a party where my these were my friends friends I didn't really know them that well but they the one kid pretended to be deaf at the party and uh he met a girl there and uh now they're married with a kid so you know is he still keeping that act up (laughs) no no I think he told her like that night but it was just ridiculous seeing it and being like I can't believe this is working like I can't believe she's talking to him because he's like dancing offbeat and looking confused it's so embarrassing so this is where it gets into weird. I, I've seen people like fake maladies like that. Like uh, I, I had an ex who used a wheelchair. She's not the faker, but she had, <laughs> okay. but she had a roommate who started having like sympathetic kind of like similar problems. And then like, Oh, I need a wheelchair now. I, I have a degenerative disease. And then like, three weeks after she moved out we're seeing pictures of her fucking skateboarding on facebook oh wow that's awful i could never like i've heard stories of people like faking cancer diagnosis and things like that as well Mm -hmm. and it's just like the stress like why dude the attention you get is not worth the stress of having to keep up a lie Mm -hmm. like that it's like way too much well the ultimate munchausens i think there was a woman in like the 60s or 70s who had like child like infant after infant die of a you know, sudden infant death syndrome. 
And then eventually they did some research and like, oh, you've been murdering all your children to get sympathy, like seven yeah. of them. Yeah, not good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah anyway. I'm, I'm going to go on the record saying bad. Would not recommend. Zero out of 10 no. stars. <laughs> My bad Yelp review of infanticide. <laughs> okay. Uh, the Vanishing Glass, chapter two. 10 years later and Harry Potter lives in a, I wrote Dickensian Nightmare, but he's pretty chill about it. He's uh, accepted his fate, I think, at this point. Yeah, he, he lives under the steps. Two parental figures hate him. His cousin Dudley hates him, uh, hates him. And worst of all, uh, Harry has to deal with fat people. Gross. <laughs> Again, it's in so much of this book. Uh, Dudley gets straight Cinderella shit. Dudley gets tons of presents for his birthday. And he's so spoiled that he breaks them. And of course, Harry never gets any and has to live in a cupboard. Dudley throws a fit when he counts there are two presents less than last year. Which uh, I was I was surprised to see him in the book described as blonde. Because I just remembered him from the movie being brunette. Like, they, brunette, brown hair. Like, they do not seem like people that should be interesting brunette. to look at in any way. Well, oh, be, like, because he's blonde? Like, that's more interesting... Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know if he's just taking after his mom, but maybe. I also I also think they they emphasize his size. I don't know why about the dad why they do it to the dad, but for him I think it's just like the sheer difference when he's like wailing on Harry. Like mm. it's like such a clear like he's humongous and okay. Harry's like this little guy, you know, like so extra sympathy for Harry. It's just like he's a big giant bully, you know. Mm. So, yeah. But one of the things I found myself wondering in this book a lot is for how much they seem to hate Harry Potter, like when they get the chance, they are so hesitant to get rid of him. Well, they hate him, but they know he has pow powers. Right. It's like they they so, they also hate what he has the potential to become. His potential. So this entire time, they've kind of been like gaslighting him to think that he's nothing. And they wanted him to live a normal life, not knowing about magic. If they had it their way, they would have never told him about magic. And he would have just been like a normal dude. Because that they mm. thought they were going to be able to like extinguish the magical part of their family if they just ignored it, basically. Mm. Yeah. And unfortunately, mm. this I feel like this is something you see sometimes, especially with like uh, deadbeat dads and shit, where they like, start so much drama to get like custody of their kids and then spend like no time with them i have yeah i i, I have my poor goddamn nephew his father is into drugs mm -hmm. and like every 18 months or so he's like i really want to be in his life and every minute he spends with the kid is calling his mother a bitch and then he gets hooked on something else and then he's just gone again sheesh yeah, yeah. i don't know if it's i don't think they feel that way like i don't I think later in the book, they become, you become more sympathetic to them. Like you start to feel, okay. mm. but for, mo for mo most of the books, they just suck. Like right. they're not emotionally attached to Harry. They're not sad that he's no longer under the stairs. They're worried about what he's going to become. If he becomes mm. a powerful, right. word, you know. But, and like I said, it's interesting that, and again, I realize this is a children's book, so it's not going to be so realistic. But you would think in situations like this with, you know, Harry being abused and neglected and an orphan, he shows zero signs of trauma or PTSD. He doesn't attempt to please his aunt and uncle at all, which is something you see with 
a lot of abusive cases right. like like this like oh well I'll, I'll just do my best to impress you he's just kind of like eh whatever i'll get by yeah and who knows like how like repressed he is with that trauma you know like mm. when you're in survival mode you kind of just do your best like even mm. with my, my dad was in real a real like really bad situations before he was adopted and you know, I always like when people try to tell me that their trauma is their reason for their bad behavior, I'm always like, that's not an excuse because my dad literally had the worst upbringing and completely turned his life around. Like he was literally like in the mafia for a second. So you can't tell mm -hmm. me, <clears throat> you know what I mean? So I think trauma affects people differently. Like I do think, you know, there's going to be stuff Harry needs to unpack for the rest of his life, but mm -hmm. one, he's just trying to survive. So I think the more he fights back or whatever, the worst the Dursleys are to him and two you know trauma makes people do different like I, I don't think it's the same across the board I don't think you become like you always become violent or like mean-spirited because of it I, I will just say where we are right now in chapter two of the very first book somewhere in the series I hope fully grown Harry just like beats the dog shit out of Mr. Dursley <laughs> just like like beats him with a not not even magic <clears throat> just beats him with a broomstick <laughs> yeah just you know takes out a knife or something yeah no that's so funny yeah <laughs> yeah yeah you do feel angry there is a lot of like and i think that's meant to happen you know like it, there's a lot of like lows and so i feel like there's a lot of like low points and then rewards from her mm. like we're like if he had just a normal life with a loving family it would almost be bittersweet that he was going to hogwarts it would be a decision he had to make like oh my loving family and friends and support system or this world i never or this world i kind of knew about you know what right. i mean so he's, it's almost sorry what were you gonna say no no like when he gets that invitation he's a little unsure of himself but he's not leaving anything behind to go oh to he's so ready he's so ready to go it would have been a much different book if he had like the love of a family you know yeah and as of right now, he doesn't even know what really happened to them. The Dursleys have told Harry that his parents died in a car crash. Um, yeah. There are little magical hints that pop up here and there. Like they cut Harry's hair one day, but it all grows back the next day. Mm -hmm. um, Petunia tries to force a sweater onto Harry that keeps shrinking until it's the size of a doll's sweater, which uh, that's usually what happens to me when I gain weight <laughs> over the holidays. Yeah, <laughs> been there. <laughs> Uh, Dudley's friend Piers shows up. Typically, they tend to ditch Harry for the day on Dudley's birthday, but the typical weird old cat lady has a broken leg, can't watch him. Begrudgingly, they bring Harry to the zoo with them, even though this infuriates spoiled fat little Dudley. And there's, <laughs> and there's a lot of like fish shaking at Harry, like, all right, we're taking you to the zoo. Don't you fucking do anything don't but, you goddamn enjoy it don't you look at any of the animals yeah that's so funny and uh there's even a small detail where it's uh, is I, I forget what it is but they get in some the the two boys uh dudley and Piers, get in some argument about something and it oh i i think the ice cream person uh they get ice cream and the ice cream person's like what's for the other lad and they don't want to publicly out how much they hate this child so he gets like his first ice cream ever yeah yeah He's kind of getting like residual love and he's very happy to get it. He's stoked. He's like, yeah, best day ever. Um, Harry ends up having a conversation with a snake. Like yes. he doesn't even realize it's happening. When Dudley and Piers notice, they mock him and punch him in the stomach and start fucking with the snake. 
Magically, the cage glass disappears and the snake begins chasing them. Vernon must realize this is Harry somehow because he does punish him for it and tells him he's not leaving the cupboard for weeks. Um, Harry would dream some relation would come and take him away someday. So that's chapter two. So uh, you're getting here that uh, they do treat Harry poorly, but this is the first where it does seem kind of like we're trying to rein in this behavior you're, we know you're fully capable of. Yeah, well, yeah, they think it's like a curse, you know? They're like, you need to control this curse that you're burdened with, basically. But mm. yeah, he has no idea what's going on. Like, he doesn't even know why these... He thinks they're like coincidences, honestly. He has no knowledge of magic. And the snake part's really interesting because it comes up so huge in the second book. So even not following the series at all, it was not any part of my life. I am still aware of parcel tongue as like yes. a concept. Yeah. And only like certain people can speak it. And the snake also comes back. And I thought it was interesting that it's like, adios, like in the book, he's like the snake, he could have heard him say adios, see ya in Brazil or whatever. Which is weird because I thought it was a certain snake that's in the other books who's like a lot more badass than that. So I wondered like, because that's what they say. They say it's the same snake that's later on. So I'm like, maybe that's not true. Maybe that's just a fact that gets passed around. That's not actually, you know. Maybe. And oh, by the way, so um, coming off a month of reading the Bible for this podcast, uh, obviously a thing there in talking to snakes which is a very big deal in the first book with, you know, the apple and whatnot, which Harry is being tempted with the, Ooh, there must be an allegory there that this is the first time this happened. And Harry is being handed handled knowledge of himself by a serpent. Yeah. Maybe you think she did. I, I wonder if she actually did all of it on purpose. <laughs> like, you think she just fell into it as, <laughs> as somebody who is trying to write a novel right now, uh, there's, you will literally get the, it's the stupidest thing. It's so cool when you read it, but literally it's like, oh, I could shoehorn this in here. It's never like, it just kind of comes to you. Yeah, yeah. She's the queen of that, honestly. Mm. But yeah, it's nice. You get a real sense of Harry's like personality in these two chapters. Like mm. he's like just super humble, you know, wants to help people, like just wants love, just wants affection. And you, that, like, that really, I feel like they really try to nail that, like, hammer that into you that he doesn't want money. He doesn't want fame. All he wants is his friends, his family, and to, like, be happy. Mm -hmm. And that's, and like, his journey. That's, like, the actual thing he's chasing, like, the entire series is just happiness. Like, mm -hmm. yeah. All right aren't we all uh okay <laughs> yeah uh chapter three letters from no one yes dudley has been accepted to his father's private school alma mater smelting which is such a <laughs> ugly name yeah <laughs> uh, but but it's so perfect they could they could have called it feather pensions or right, something right. like that um, Harry has to go to stinky old public high school. There's probably fat people there. Um, <laughs> so, uh, one day the mail comes and for the first time ever, there's a letter addressed to Harry. Not only that, but it is specifically addressed to the cupboard under the stairs. Mm -hmm. Vernon snatches it and rips it up before Harry can read it. Th this keeps going on where like he, they even move it, fearful that someone was aware of their neglect. 
Vernon or being watched, Vernon allows Harry to move into the second bedroom where Dudley keeps his mostly broken toys. But the next letter just comes addressed to that bedroom. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I do like the idea that uh, Vernon starts sleeping by the mail slot just so he can mm-hmm. intercept any letter enough that Harry steps on his face one day. Mm-hmm. And just more and more letters come, which, by the way, uh, you tell me this. This is a question I just thought of. As a little kid, I loved getting mail and so rarely got it were you like that too yes absolutely the thought of getting mail that was like cool actually for me like so exciting Mm -hmm. i remember i had a subscription for like two months to uh nickelodeon magazine i think Mm -hmm. that was the first piece of mail that came like directly for there was stuff like i would get like the columbia record club to me i was seven i don't know how the fuck i got it I don't know if your school did this, but in elementary school, we actually had our own little mail system and some of the students got to be like a postmaster. So you would write like your friend's name and their like homeroom classroom. This was elementary school. You were like learning how to write letters Mm -hmm. and then you'd write like a cute little note and then you would give it and then it'd get sorted and brought to the right classrooms. It was really cool. That is so anachronistic. Could could you imagine kids being taught how to mail letters in school right now? (laughs) It seems like that is not something that possibly happens. I'm old, (laughs) Jesse. But yeah, it was fun though. It was, I feel like it's such a waste of time. Like they're probably learning more math or something now instead Mm. of (laughs) how to send mail. But (laughs) it was cool just writing stupid notes. Like, what did you have for lunch? Okay, bye. And then just throwing it like in the mailbox all right oh god during during quarantine uh fellow comedian the darling ellie summerling sent Love sent her. us yeah she she sent us a letter that was like very nicely written out and that was that was a fun thing that occupied us for a few weeks of you know uh cabin fever and madness yeah. <laughs> i think wax seals are really cool too but not enough to be a wax seal person we, like, we I'm almost there <laughs> we we did those on our wedding invitations and so worth it it's so fun to put together so fun it looks awesome yeah okay cool we're actually going to a wedding this weekend that also had a wax seal so fancy mm-hmm. okay <laughs> um so no matter how they avoid them more and more letters arrive every day 20 at a time Mr. Dursley takes extreme measures, puts the whole family in the car, and takes them to a cabin on a small island in the sea to avoid the letters. While they're all in in a pitching sea and rain, a large boom comes. And chapter four, the keeper of the keys. A gigantic man appears at the door, and it's Hagrid the giant. Hagrid! Hagrid. 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 There you go. Hagrid. Hagrid greets Harry (laughs) warmly. And immediately starts verbally abusing the Dursleys, which I'm the best (laughs) right away, which again, just makes me all the more just wish for an adult Scottish man, just like (laughs) cursing, like, hey, you fat fuck what you've been doing. And he does right right away with the great line. uh, So funny. Well, Vernon raises a gun to him, but Hagrid grabs it and ties it in a knot. Which gave me the thought, what a different story this would have been if he just, like, put two right between <laughs> Hagrid's head. If he was just, like, the CPS or something. Like... Yeah, just, just, just a little bit of a quicker shot. And Harry's oh, like, what no. the fuck was that? Like, I don't know. They have to the end. Some... <laughs> yeah, they, they find some rocks and try to weigh him down into the ocean. Oh, man. God. Yeah, it would be awful. Um, 
he starts cooking up some sausage in the fireplace and notices Dudley eyeing them up where he quips, your great pudding of a son don't need any more fattening. <laughs> Burn. Dude, I love books that like describe food. I'm so, I'm like, mm. oh, describe the sauce. So- give me like all the detail. Like, I love that. I'm like, that sounds awesome. Yeah, they do. How do they describe that? He has like a giant. It's like sizzling. Uh, yeah. Like a poker or what, what mm-hmm. are those things called? It's not a tongue, but it's like this skewer. I don't know. He puts six sausages on a metal thing and sticks them in. Mm-hmm. God, I'm out of sausages and now I want one. I'm yeah, trying, see, that's what happens. <laughs> I'm trying not to eat meat during the week. But, oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, Hagrid learns that the Dursleys have told Harry nothing about his true past, not his parents, the existence of magic, nothing. And Hagrid is pissed. And yeah, it, it's I, I love seeing him hangry so far. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's so reasonable because he's like, now I have to tell him all of this stuff. Like and right away, you get the feeling for him that like he himself doesn't feel up to the task. So he's almost. Yeah. I was also going to say, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. In the first chapter, I thought it was kind of fucked up that everyone was celebrating when they knew that also meant that the Potters died. Like, it wasn't like a somber, like, oh, man. It was like, fuck yeah, let's Mm -hmm. light firecrackers. Anyway, that's interesting. Well, I mean, I guess this guy had been such a menace that even if two people had died, I mean, it's like. Yeah, if fucking if Inglorious Bastards was a real thing that actually happened and two dudes died taking out Hitler, mm-hmm. I think it would mostly be on Hitler. Oh yeah, he was factor. that level. He was murdering people left and right. Like mm-hmm. it it was a big deal, but so Voldemort it, Voldemort is basically magic Hitler, and Harry it finds out that he's basically magic genius genius. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And not only that, he's world famous uh he yeah. finally gets to read the letter they've been snatching from him stating he's been accepted to hogwarts wizarding academy and a list of things he'll need before his term begins could you imagine being just a regular little kid and finding out not that you're magical or whatever that you're secretly famous somewhere you're a big deal i could not fathom I would not be as humble as Harry. Like he did a good job. I would be so excited. And if people gave me shit, I'd be like, fuck off. Fuck off. I'm the reason Mag- your Yeah, I'm the reason your parents aren't fucking dead in Azkaban or like at yeah. the bottom of an ocean right now, idiot. Like Magic Jesus, suck my dick. <laughs> show some fucking respect. Put some respect on my name, you That's know? Right. Like, yeah. So I I would not be humble. Which is why I'll never have something like that happen to me because the universe knows. <laughs> so, so yeah, I remember as a little kid reading that and being like, oh, even, even taking fame out of it. Like when they read the list of supplies, I think this might be later though, but like, like the cauldron and. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's, a, that's come, that's coming up like right now. So you can talk about that. Oh my God. I, I would lose my mind. Like. Even just a cauldron or like quills and stuff. Just the nerd in me is like, yeah, I want to go to this school forever. Sure. Nice. Yeah, even when I was a little kid, it wasn't, I was fascinated by famous people and I wanted to be like them, but it wasn't necessarily, fa- I, I looked up to musicians. Like 
right. at like four or five years old, Freddie Mercury was like a god to me. He was already dead and my family was nice <laughs> enough not to tell me. Oh, that's so cute <laughs> and sad. When did you find out? Did uh, they just tell you one day he died? Like, oh no, he died 10 years ago. I, I think I think the word got around to me. Uh, it mm. was it was three weeks ago. Um, <laughs> oh my God, I'm so sorry for your loss. <laughs> nah, I, I, I noticed he hadn't aged much recently. Right. But uh, <laughs> nah, I think I was seven or eight and I found out. Funnily enough, I remember there was, a girl, there was a girl I went to school with who as a little girl had a crush on the 40s actor Cary Grant and so she found out he was dead and cried and they were like he's been dead for like 40 years being so, a kid is weird it's hard to grasp <laughs> it is yeah especially just like dying stuff I tried writing a sketch once that I still might try to produce was uh I wanted to explore the concept of somebody who had been so sheltered by their mother that they were unaware of the concept of death overall damn yeah that's, I'm trying to like, like, how do you bring levity into a schedule? Like, anyway, because anyway, oh, we'll talk well, about it. <laughs> I have a lot of questions. <laughs> I, can, I can be real quick. It's played by Neil Wood. So he's a gigantic man. Love it. Yeah. All right. Basically, they, uh, this woman goes to a party and she's thanking the person hosting the party saying, oh, thank you for letting me bring little Timmy. I couldn't, I couldn't get a babysitter. And then in walks a full grown man. So, that's hilarious so he's not little but his mother has just convinced he, he's convinced that he's the shit but he's just right. like in his 30s and he sees he sees an old person in a, a photo on the wall he's like oh you got old people too yeah so uh what'd you do you sent oh they're no longer with us like oh gotcha gotcha yeah same with my grandma so you sent him to the moon too right that's a- <laughs> okay that's really funny i like that a lot yeah <laughs> okay all right i'm glad i interrupted this entire Harry Potter thing. No, worth it. Sketch. If you would like to fund the little <laughs> Timmy sketch, Benmo at Jesse Dram. Um, okay, Ooh, we get the explanation. Is Muggle supposed to be a slur? Because it feels kind of like a slur. So it's, it's, no, it's not actually. Okay. M- okay. The one that's a slur that I almost felt bad saying is Mudblood. That comes up later. That, I knew that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Muggle is just what they call um, non-wizard folk, but mm-hmm. you know when Malfoy says it, it sounds totally like a slur. Yeah. You know, people can say it in a way that, like, you're like, oh, they uh, don't like non-wizarding people. But it, in I itself, can, like, sorry, we're gonna say. Uh, just I, I can think of another word with two G's that people call. So I, I don't. Ugh, never mind. Yeah, you got to avoid those those words yeah. for sure. But then, you know, that is also just like the fallover of like uh, British English, where everything has like a boobly, kind of wonder, thing to it. The way you, when you say that, it makes me wonder if I also just found Britain magical, <laughs> like all of their, it's like the possible. trolley, the trolley, oh, and well, you know. <laughs> well, not only that, but we have like Mary Poppins in our brain. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So just in general, like when they're like, yeah, we're going to go see the trolley and have a pint or whatever, I'm like, that just, maybe I should just go to England. <laughs> maybe it's not the wizarding world. I just thought England sounded pretty, pretty sweet. I, I have heard a lot of ki- uh, a lot of people say before that when they were kids and they first heard like British accents, they didn't realize it was an accent. They thought they were just like talking silly. <laughs> That's adorable. <laughs> All right. Uh, 
Vernon forbids Harry to attend Hogwarts, but Hagrid tells him off. Petunia reveals her sister Lily had gotten the same letter and was jealous that her family was proud of having a witch in the family, that she went off and became weird and married James. Like, it's a, it, this is sounding like an allegory for going off to art school. It kind of feels bit. like that, yeah. Like, my sister was my best friend, and then she went to art school and became a lesbian communist, and then I couldn't <laughs> do anything. It has that vibe, for sure. Like, you know, witchcraft has really bad connotations, too, so it's like... Hmm. Kind of like she joined the dark side to her sister. My my wife is very witchy, so I'm very curious to see. As a matter of fact, if I do the back here, that is my wife's altar. Oh wow! In the background there, yes, we're we're praying to Hestia right now. I was going to ask if she has any deities in specific. That well, Hestia, Hestia is the main one because she made an altar to Hestia when we were bidding on a house that we finally got congratulations that's thank awesome. you yeah so yeah. we're moving in next week and we're already looking into like we should get a bust of hestia or something this yeah. is technically this is technically her place she got it for totally. us we're just, we're just paying that's awesome <laughs> yeah i'd like I, I i like a witchy woman always been about mm-hmm. it okay harry learns for the first time that his parents didn't die in a car crash and we get the whole story of how voldemort and how he became powerful and developed a weird like cult magic al-qaeda around him actually that, that's really not right we're, there's definitely some like fascist elements here it feels yeah like. yeah it's a very like pure blood thing that's like his whole thing yes. you'll find out later but yeah um but yeah and reiterates he murdered lily and james but for whatever reason trying to kill harry stopped him and that's how he got the scar hagrid tells harry that he personally rescued harry from the house's rubble in the aftermath um yeah We've gotten a lot of detail so far. This might be the first sentence in the book. Where I'm just like, ooh, I just like that as literature. Uh, Harry asks Voldemort. <clears throat> Harry asks if Voldemort died, and Hagrid quips, "I don't know if he had enough human left in him to die." Yeah. Very. And that um, that's alluding to something pretty big in the later books. So it's very smart writing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. And and again, like there's no way she was thinking that far ahead when she was no. putting this together. She was just smart enough to like grab it and not forget it. Yeah, I don't know how she I don't know if she was just obsessed with her own writing like that, but yeah, everything that you see and, and read, like you could spot later, which is crazy. Nice. Mm-hmm. Just good writing. Mm-hmm. All right. Vernon tries to protest again, insulting Dumbledore's name when it's mentioned, and Hagrid straight up threatens to kill him for the insult. Just like, oh, and also with his uh, magical umbrella, he gives Dudley a pig's tail. <laughs> yeah, gives him a little pigtail. So funny. I can imagine him just running around squealing. <laughs> like it, it is such an immediate thing in my head. Uh, we, we do find out that Hagrid had gone to wizarding school, but fucked up very early and is technically not supposed to use magic at all, which uh, he will ask Harry repeated times not to narc on him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, apparently they can't tell when he uses magic, which is weird. Oh, I guess because they can tell when younger because students aren't supposed to use magic outside of Hogwarts either and they, right. they get in trouble. But um, yeah, he just, you know, that magic umbrella takes it everywhere with them. I mean, if you had the ability to do magic, but we're not allowed to, how long are you lasting before you're just like, eh, let, let, let's bring the remote to me, you know? I would fly home from court. They would not, they would need to take it from my, like, cold dead hand before. 
before I stopped doing magic. Oh my God. The notion of a wand under the second amendment laws and self-protection. There's fun in that. Yeah. Yeah. You don't need a gun if you have a wand, honestly. Guns are useless. That's what Hagrid taught us <laughs> anyway. That's right. Yeah. You, you, the U.S. military is all ready to just shoot away all their problems. What are you going to do right. when a giant turns that AK-47 <laughs> into a pretzel? <laughs> nothing. Absolutely nothing. Yeah. Uh, okay. Chapter five, Diagon Alley, which is that supposed Diagon. to be? Diagon. Diagon. Is that supposed to be a pun of diagonally? Like, yeah i guess so i don't see she does stuff like that where i'm like why though yeah it's just an alley it's not like particularly weird shaped maybe someone who knows more about Harry. maybe i'm not the harry potter expert i thought i was but diagon is a very yeah it is a very just magic-y word yeah um okay harry wakes up wondering if it's all been a dream but there's hagrid sleeping on the same sunken couch he was on the night before Harry doesn't know how he'll pay for his supplies, but Hagrid reveals that there's magic banks run by goblins that are uh, definitely not Jews in the movies, which, yeah. (laughs) Yikes, yeah, not great. How how do people keep making that fucking mistake? Like, I don't know, man. It's a bummer. In the movie, we're only two years away from like uh, the Phantom Menace where like they go see the merchant. He's like, oh, well, what money can you give me for? It's like, Jesus Christ. Christ. yeah they need to work on it i mean they don't have uh they don't have accents like that in like the movie or anything but right, <laughs> yeah. right. Um, I, yeah not the best look still no uh but his parents supposedly left him plenty of gold in the gringotts bank these places are guarded by dragons supposedly and harry is mm-hmm. shocked that dragons might be real although Hagrid's still kind of dicey. He doesn't like, eh, there might be. I'd like to see a dragon, but I actually don't know if there are dragons in this universe. Yes, there are. And okay. they're like, they're not supposed, they're like, they're kind of like wild animals where they're in like places where humans aren't mm-hmm. populating it. So like, they're not supposed to be in town. They're, I think they're illegal to own, but sometimes people own them illegally like other pets, so... Hmm. it's a whole thing it comes up later in the books you'll you'll hear all about it but they do exist and they are in they're trained dragons in the bank that that protect gold and other things which is a dragon thing to do that that like going back to smog like they're all about their gold yeah so it it checks out Hmm. (laughs) honestly which is funny you've never seen a dragon spend gold they don't they don't invest in real estate they just want to sit on it yeah, they're the one percent. We should get rid of all dragons. That's why they're all dead now. Honestly, they weren't putting it back into the economy. Yes, Jeff Bezos is the ultimate dragon. That's why <laughs> yeah. he got enough gold. You know what he tried to do? Fly away on Fly. a fire. That's all you can do. <laughs> um, so yeah, this is just interesting because he's learning all this stuff. Learns magic is real. Learns dragons are real. Meg, what would be a fictional thing you would love to be real, or a fictional thing that would freak you out if it was suddenly real? Okay, so I feel like the obvious, uh, the obvious answer is, is God. Oh, yeah, magic. No, God. I mean, maybe <laughs> God. I don't know. A lot of rules. I think magic, but this is my creepy answer is I, if I could have one fictional thing be real, it'd be the Salvatore brothers from Vampire Diaries. 
I don't know enough about them. Tell me, <laughs> tell me about the Salvatore brothers. It, they're just they're just hot vampires and they're broody. Mm. And I just would like to know they exist. It'd be I think it'd be really funny because one is like it's like the classic like one is like a civil war guy and the other one is just like the good one. But then the civil war guy is kind of like anyway. I, I wasn't sure if I was going to tell you that one, but I think it's a, a much different answer than magic, which is just everybody's answer. But well, one is magic and the other one is horny vampires. So, I mean, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, they don't even have to be like horny for me. Like, I don't have to have. But it would just make me it would bring me a little like spark of joy to know they're they're real, that they they're actually going through all of this dumb drama, even though they're 500 years old. I don't know. <laughs> just makes yeah. me happy. So the fictional thing I would love to be real. Uh, I'm going to be a dickhead and say the afterlife. Obviously, people don't know that, but it's something See, okay. that might be. You said go. Okay, so I don't know if the listeners know, but sometimes you send some of the questions. Uh, yeah, I wrote, like, I wrote in the notes ghosts. You wrote ghosts, and I was like, I'm going to bring this up to Jesse. Ghosts are real. So <laughs> check. You don't I have to want, mention that one. I'm going to have uh, to listen to Real Chills podcast. Yeah, I have listen. I've never seen a ghost, <laughs> and I want to. Okay, yeah. I want it's like uh, th- this is this is like dating in my twenties. I would love nothing more than a girlfriend, but they don't seem to exist. I feel like we've talked about this on the podcast, where it seems like the people who want the least to do with ghosts are the ones who have the most interactions. Mm. It's weird. I don't know why. I don't know why when you're like thirsty for them, they're like, "Nah, screw you." But why, it's why, always the why, person. Yeah. Why's a ghost got to play hard to get? I don't know, man. They just do. Um, thing thing I would hope would not be real. I think zombies would be a very oh, yeah. upsetting. No, like just just imagine no. your a loved one dying. It's the worst moment of your life, and then you need to put a fucking arrow through their skull thirty seconds mm-hmm. later. Mm-hmm. I always think like because of my need for contacts, like if there was some sort of like zombie apocalypse or like nuclear war, like I'd just be fucked. Mm. Like the second I don't have glasses or contacts, I would just have to like (laughs) kill myself. Like anyway, zombies are terrible. Even slow ones, even like the warm body zombies. Have you seen that movie? The warm body zombies. Warm bodies. (laughs) I'm going to sound like such a creep to you. Warm bodies is a movie where like a zombie falls in love with like an, an a live person. Okay. And then it kind of changes him back to like it starts changing everybody back to human. Okay. But but I've they're seen, like I I've seen versions of that story. Life Life After Beth has been the best one I've seen of that. Have you seen that? No, but I'll definitely check it out. All right. Uh, Aubrey Plaza comes back as a zombie, but she's like still sentient. She doesn't realize she's a zombie. Oh wow! And, and and her boyfriend is just happy to have her back, but it's yeah. so good. Yeah. So he like in this one, the main character is like a guy zombie, and he's just going through the motions. And mm-hmm. like he he when they're out like hunting or whatever, they like he ends up actually like killing her boyfriend. I'm giving you way too much of this movie, but um, he takes her back, and he doesn't know why he's doing it. And slowly, he starts becoming more human through like interacting with her anyway hmm. i'm the all i'm saying is like they're probably the softest zombies i've ever seen and i still would want no part of them being real yeah it's it's a lot it's a lot okay so yeah. we hear about the ministry of magic's existence uh that they keep they try to keep the existence of magic away from the muggles 
and that Dumbledore would be the head, but he refuses to leave Hogwarts. So he's mm -hmm. a dedicated man. I can respect that. Uh, here's your exciting part. We see Harry's full school supplies list. Yeah. Robes, a pointy hat, a winter cloak, books, wand, and cauldron. Nice. Wh which would be, do you have any specifics in there that you would really want to go for? Like what kind of cauldron would you want? Or I want to go wand shopping so bad. That's the thing I guess I wish was real too is f fucking wands so i don't know we probably no we haven't gotten there yet it, actually it might be later on in this chapter when he picks his wand yes and they're made chapter. out of like phoenix hair and mm -hmm. unicorn mane and and then it's like oak <laughs> just in there just to ground it a little bit mm -hmm. and then the wand picks you like it's like almost like you have this weird emotional connection it's not just like an item like a cell phone or something mm -hmm. like i don't know that would be, I, I just want yeah, to do that. I want is, to know. They, they, they do describe it as in, it's, again, with it picking you, you're almost like, you're almost being gifted another limb, almost. Like, this yeah. is going to become an extension of your being. Like a partner of some sort. Yeah. Yes. It's really cool. I don't know. I would love to see what it looks like. I think you like, sold me on it. I think I want a wand now. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but not like one that they sell at Harry Potter World. I want like a magic, no. real yes. magic one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, it is noted that year ones aren't allowed their own broomsticks. We will get a mention of Quidditch, which will be Harry's first notice of it, but that's for another chapter. Mm -hmm. Harry and Hagrid travel to London. They stop at a pub called the Leaky Cauldron, and yep. all the patrons immediately recognize Harry Potter and rush up to meet the famous boy who lived. Yes. That's got to be weird. Like, it's one thing yeah. to be told you're famous, but then to have like a bunch of old, creepy people in a pub being like, let me shake your hand, young young sir. Yeah, I don't know how I'd feel about that because I don't really like adults. Like, like at, especially as a kid, like I feel like as a kid, I'd be stoked that my peers like me. Hmm. But I, like if adults all wanted to talk to me, I feel like that'd be a cur curse. I'd be like, no, not me. Yeah, yeah like if, the wrong I, guy. I, I remember even just like meeting my dad's friends that I didn't know and they just like stoop down and be like, last time I saw you, you were only this big. Like, yeah, I don't fucking know you. Get away from me. Yeah, but, yeah. I don't remember that. I was too little. Yeah. Yeah. It's like they, they have dirt on me. I don't I don't know them, but they know me yeah. very well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Mm -hmm. um, a magic opening in the wall leads us to a marketplace. As he shops for supplies, we get an interesting scene where Harry is fitted for the wand with the shopkeep, whose name is Ollivander, insisting the wand chooses the wizard. He tries several, some of them similar to his parents' taste, but finally one causes a warmth in his hand and a stream of red and gold sparks. The shopkeep freezes and notes a curiosity to Harry that the phoenix feather in his wand gave only one other feather to another wand, its brother, if you will, and that wand belong to you know who mm -hmm. and that comes up later too this book is so fun <laughs> nice. and, but i i do like that that it doesn't that wouldn't even need to pay off it's already like ooh, there's a symbiosis kind of cool but it uh yeah but it's like and again it doesn't pay off like next book like you find out like book four. anyway i'm not sure what but it's later you forget you forget that they say that you know mm -hmm. And then it just comes back and it's so fun. Uh, the, the wand is a 13 and a half inch U. Ollivander says a very strange thing. It, it, 
it, it makes sense, but this is like a level of complexity you don't emotional complexity that you do not see in a children's book where he says uh, he expects great things from Harry as Voldemort did horrible things, but they were great in magnitude. That kind of like gave me chills because like thinking about it like as a kid, it kind of it kind of alludes to how much pressure is going to be put on Harry as a nine or ten year old, mm-hmm. you know, from the second he gets into this world, he's expected to do great things. And I mean, obviously, you know, if you don't even have to read the books to know, like he exceeds those those beliefs. But it's something that kind of haunts him, I feel like, throughout yeah, well, the series. It's, it's an immediate one of the things you find is like, oh, well, in my previous life, I was nothing, but there was no obligation nor expectation of me. Mm -hmm. And now Mm -hmm. people are expecting me if this guy comes back, spoiler, he fucking does. Yeah. It's up to me and my lightning scar. To fix it. Yeah. There must have been so many. I wonder if there were kids who were into Harry Potter and then they reached like their teen years and there's a lot of like cutting happening then. I guess you can't cut on your forehead because it's like very obvious. I feel like it'd be hard. I know we'd like, I know us as kids would like draw on our foreheads and stuff, but I don't think, I don't know anyone cutting into themselves. (laughs) You can find somebody somewhere. I guarantee you tried to absolutely. Yes. Uh, Harry is still confused why everyone thinks he's special. He feels out of place like everyone's mistaken, but Hagrid reassures him and gives him his ticket for Hogwarts on the 1st of September. And mm-hmm. that is the first five chapters. Like, I feel so bad we didn't get further into this. <laughs> it's okay. I was surprised too at the end because I continued like reading. Now I'm going to have to finish this damn book. Thanks, Jesse. <laughs> but um, I was surprised that this isn't even a big spoiler, but he waits a month before going to yeah like it's not like you would think they would get the supplies and then just go to hogwarts right they're really chancing vernon dursley there because like hagrid shows up, <laughs> yeah fucks him up a little bit and then tells yeah. harry like okay go spend another month with them i'm with sure they people. won't i'm sure they won't take this out on you in any fashion right yeah so that was weird but yeah the first five chapters it was it was nostalgic and it was impressive to see the scene setting and you kind of forget about the Dursleys. You get kind of like obviously engulfed in this magic world. So you're like, Mm -hmm. screw the Dursleys. So it's like, Oh yeah. Like this is why you hate their guts the entire series, but it was still fun. (laughs) Again, I'm looking forward to more of the Dursleys. I'm looking forward to Harry beating Dudley to death with a high heeled shoe or something in the, Half-Blood Prince. That's it. That, that's it. Dud- <laughs> Dudley is yes. the prince and he loses half his blood <laughs> when Harry shanks him in the spine. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. Yeah, Meg, thanks so much for doing it. Like I said, I wish we could have done a little bit more, but like, eh, you know what? This is going to be a long process and we yeah. should have like a baby step into this, but I will definitely, I'm going to do the whole series. So I'll, I don't know that many people. I'm sure I'll have you back. Yeah, definitely. I'll be back if you want to talk more Harry Potter. And thanks for having me on at all. It was really fun. It is one of my favorite series and for a lot of emotional family reasons. So it was cool to get to sit down and talk to you about it. Let me ask you right now, if I could have you back for one episode to discuss one part of one book, which book would oh, it be? Oh, no. Um, Forget the one part. Just go with the book. I want to talk about the end of Goblet of Fire. 
the last couple Ooh. chapters of Goblet of Fire. I will keep that in mind. I, re- I that was one of the movies I saw, so I I, I remember a little. The bit ending of what it gets then. so crazy. That was I I remember when I saw that in the theater again, having only seen it out of like the corner of my eye. And uh, I was with my cousin, who is a huge fan of those books. And they told me after, like, yeah, the, the books take a very sudden pivot to yes. dark. And that's what, yeah, that's what we're going to talk about. <laughs> and that does seem to be one of the great things about this series is, uh, much like another British export, the Beatles were so great because they grew with their audience like yeah i felt like i grew with it totally but i was a good age when things started going south for the harry potter world so definitely right all right well meg thank you so much if you could tell us again the plugs what you got coming up where we can find your social media thank you yeah you can find me on twitter or instagram at meg gets money gets spelled g-o-e-t-z and um, really, if you could just go to Spotify and subscribe to their stories, um, and you might have to look up my name with it, um, I would really appreciate it. It comes out in September, and it's going to be great. So thanks. I can't wait. If nothing else, go listen to the episode with my mama. And, yeah. Because uh, I really want her to get attention for the thing that made her fucking smother me and be overprotective Aww. in my childhood. <laughs> <laughs> all right gonna end this like i end every episode i'm gonna stop recording but me and megan are gonna talk for a little bit and you're not welcome to that <laughs> see you next week guys